Humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact with the internet. My name is Caitlin, and joining me as always is the primary half of the Cursed Mark Ruffalo fan club, Miss Jessica Cogswell. Hi, Caitlin. How are you doing today? Um, I may or may not have purchased a large uh, venti, excuse me, cold brew at uh, 5 p.m. Um, oh, I may or may not be vibrating yeah. slightly. Yeah, um, it's What's, truly fine. What um, is it like hearing colors? <laughs> <laughs> it was a pumpkin one though, so that always um, makes me think of you, which that was exciting. Um, perfect. Thank you. you know. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it's a really good month for the Mark Ruffalo fan club too, because it's a spooky month, and thirteen is a spooky number, and uh, thirteen going on thirty is Shut the, the only Mark up. Ruffalo Shut movie. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's that's all. I just had. To, it's been a while since we made a thirteen going on thirty joke. Why which is, is the, the only Mark Ruffalo movie you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not my fault. He hasn't been in anything else. Oh my god. Anyway, this uh, yeah. is all being wasted on our two guests. Um, <laughs> so we we have a couple of very special guests on tonight to talk with us about our topic. Uh, the first is uh, one writer named Maddie Lewis. Hi, Maddie. Hi. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm not envying you for you know hearing colors right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's cool. Um, yeah, like within the last year, I just can't drink coffee anymore. It's freaking tragic. Oh, that's fair. I I need I need it to feel alive. Um, so that's where we're at. The Maddie's um, problem is she feels too alive when she drinks coffee. I feel too alive. Um, and also joining us, uh, we have the uh the EIC of uh, but why though when Kate Sanchez. Hi, and uh, I feel like 13 Going on 30 works because they dance to Thriller. Oh, tying it all together. That, uh, that is the type of talent and, and I, don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Uh, I also this. may have or may have not listened to Thriller at least eight times while cleaning my house this weekend because I made a spooky playlist, so I'm a little biased. Oh, you know what? That actually reminds me. Today, I broke out the Oingo Boingo, so I, I feel like we're vibing right now, Kate. <laughs> and i've just been like listening to basic bitch music all day so basic bitches can also be spooky only if they're billy eilish like a jennifer's body situation don't talk shit about jennifer's body <laughs> i've never seen that movie actually i probably should <laughs> don't come into my house and talk shit about jennifer's body <laughs> i like i have no no judgment on it. I've just never seen it. Oh no, I'm fighting with Jess about this. Don't call Jennifer's body basic. Okay. <laughs> it's always it's always fighting with me, don't worry. <laughs> we never fight. No, no, we don't actually. I know I said that and I was just like, that's just like not true. <laughs> and now we're going to fight though, because I'm just spewing bullshit, so <laughs> um, um but yeah, yeah, this is this is how podcasts are introduced. Um this is how our podcast is introduced, generally, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's October. It's a uh, spooky season, as Kate and Jess have already alluded. And so we wanted to talk about spooky stuff. And there's kind of a continuous conversation around the term prestige horror or elevated horror or post-horror. 
Um, so we wanted to have Maddie and Kate on because they are both uh really, really big horror fans. Um I dig horror, but I kind of dip in and out of it. I know Jess isn't super keen on it all the time. Um, but so we wanted to have some experts come on and have this chat with us, and I knew um that Kate had a lot of feelings about it and uh Oh, I got a lot. I wish you could have heard <laughs> my eyes roll when you said elevated horror. Yeah. <laughs> I got lots of feelings. I'm basically going to be cheerleader in this episode <laughs> because my uh, I dabble into horror when it's like basically something that Caitlin or Maddie recommends that I watch. <laughs> so um, I'm here to just support you all and and listen to the conversation that's exchanged and to maybe weigh in a few times. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, I guess getting into it, like. In case you're somehow not familiar with the term, like, quote-unquote prestige horror, um, it refers to horror movies that have been kind of coming out within the past, like, five or six years-ish, I believe is the time frame that people usually kind of allude to. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, either of you, for sure. Um, and it's kind of, like, higher production, like, quote-unquote, like, artsy horror films. Mm. Yeah, I would say it's honestly, it's probably about, like, the 2017 mark, because it, it gets talked about a little bit. Like, this is, like, it's a conversation that's been going on since, like, Silence of the Lambs a little bit. So it's always been kind of sitting there, but so far as, like, people actually using it to define horror, that's that's more recent. That's about, like, 2017, 2016, 2017. <laughs> I was going to say, I also think, like, I take big issue with high production value because Get Out was a cheap movie to make. Yeah, well, and most mm-hmm. of them are cheap. Like, most of yeah. the movies that yeah. these people talk about, like, are not high-budget films. No. No, not no, at all. No, um, I'm sorry, I'm just jumping back in after. <clears throat> no, most of them aren't. In fact, a lot of them aren't really any more high budget than, you know, some of the dumb schlocky garbage. Yeah, and it's it's wild because it's like a lot of them, but a lot of them look really nice. But yeah, they're not high budget films at all, which is why like studios like Bloomhouse and um, fuck A24 are like making them because they make a ton of money off of them for like really no investment which is really hilarious because Bloomhouse and I got into this argument in Twitter uh, earlier they were like yeah they're doing it now I was like no Bloomhouse has always been putting out really bad movies because if they can hit on one Mm -hmm. uh, they make all their money back there's actually an NPR money podcast where they talk with Bloom and his uh, his method because, uh, like, The Boy Next Door and, like, movies like that, which, like, are absolute trash, but, like, people in the horror community, we love them because it lets They're them fun. take risks on new people. Um, yeah. My definition of prestige horror is it's things that critics who don't like horror call things so they don't have to say it's horror. Yeah. That's pretty much the definition. Kind of like, and I'm I'm coming from a literature background. There's a certain contingent of people who call fantasy that they like magical realism, mm-hmm. even though the two are actually different things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it feels kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like how a Get Out stopped being a horror movie and started being a thriller once it was nominated, uh, and started being a thriller once it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, well, and that was interesting because, like, because Jordan Peele was the one who started calling it, like, quote-unquote, a social thriller. Um, he called it social horror. 
Yeah, and then and then it changed to social thriller, and then it was like, okay, like, it, calm down. It's like a fucking horror movie. And that's the same yeah. thing with, like, Hereditary, too. Like, Ari Aster was like, well, I don't know if it's a horror movie. And it's like, bro, you got demons and shit in here. What do you, what, what do you mean it's not horror? Well, like, and it's like, Hereditary is, like, the most horror of horror movies. I can't, like, I can't wrap my head around how you could watch Hereditary and not think that it's a horror movie. Well, and it's like, it even harkens back to people who, like, <clears throat> I don't know that like there are people who will now argue that like Jaws isn't horror. <laughs> there are people who are, argue that Alien isn't horror. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, like it, there's, you can make the argument for all of these. And I think that a lot of times it just comes from what Kate said. It's it's people wanting to differentiate like what they like um, or something they think or like elevating that to a different status because they don't want it to be associated with something that's considered lowbrow. I actually made this uh, this observation a while back, and I think it really holds true about the thriller horror thing. Thriller is what horror fans call a horror movie they did not like, and thriller is what non-horror fans, especially critics, call a horror movie they did like. Yep, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, and it just it reminds me a lot because I mean we like mostly deal with video games on this show, um, and it reminds me a lot of like the arguments. Uh, surrounding games to like try to make them like seem like art like the whole like oh this game is so cinematic or like all this shit and it's like kind of the same thing where it just feels like people grasping too hard at trying to be like recognized and taken seriously when like and horror is way older than video games too so it's a lot like weirder to me in that like people one still consider it lowbrow but two like there's still that desperate like clawing at trying to be recognized as like art when like horror has always been very socially conscious and like art um well yeah i mean that's like the biggest thing with prestige horror or um even like this the social horror um anything like that is like it's not so bad that we're like elevating these movies and recognizing them as being different because a lot of the movies that i really like a lot of the horror movies that i like are ones that fall into these categories but it's like you're not just elevating these, you're, like, shitting on everything else. Like, that's what it comes down to. It's, like, by using, like, that word choice, you're diminishing the, like, the merit, the, like, the the messages, like, just, just all of the work that goes into, like, the entire genre of horror, which has done really incredible things. And it's also one of those things, too, like, I wouldn't call social horror as one of those things. Like, I, I think it's also one of those things is, like, uh, so I am, like, an, I am a critic. Like, I, I, I do i do movies uh, i do movies uh no like i just got finished uh covering fantastic fest which is a genre film festival and it was pretty much all horror um there were some mysteries and supernaturals that kind of bridge this small gap in some science fiction but it was majority horror like straight horror and it was a beautiful environment to be in because it was uh, i've covered south by southwest in the past and uh, they relegate all the horror movies to the Midnighters, which are about like from eleven thirty to one o'clock, uh, or about yeah, like that. That's how that's when you watch them. You watch them at the very end of the day, and you miss out on everything else because you go watch this. Whereas Fantastic Fest was all horror all the time, uh, which is amazing. And actually getting to be in a room with other critics who view the genre as something important versus critics who continually like they only do oscar bait movies or 
they only do the art house films um and you when you only have that viewpoint because you're building a brand around it anything that you like they tend to try and push into that brand and so that's why they'll use prestige horror um but like social horror um it only like people just now started talking about it because of get out but social horror is a very 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 old concept like the it is very hard to find a horror movie that doesn't have a long a larger conversation like classics that don't have a larger conversation around it like yeah b slashers exist but also you get one of the most interesting tropes in in horror history is the final girl um which has a lot to go behind it Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think and kind of sort of ties off to the final girl and the whole like slasher idea i feel like a lot of this idea of prestige horror is because it's like everyone collectively forgot the horror before 80s slashers yeah um because slashers are kind of where you get the dumb tits and gore kind of stuff and it's not like there aren't slashers that are good or well made but they don't they don't always have as much to say yeah as some of the other subgenres. so i think people are forgetting all of the horror that came before like even going back further than movies and going into like seriously like frankenstein it's a horror novel but it has a ton of um commentary on you know parenthood responsibility of like with your creations all sorts of things that are relevant and you know it's not something that has you know a dumb pat easy answer you actually have to think about it dracula has plenty of social commentary in it kind of the east versus west technology versus superstition sort of stuff you even go back to the gothic novels and they're mostly like they're kind of the tits and blood of their day but even stuff like um like the monk by Matthew Lewis is like anti-Catholic propaganda. So it's not like it doesn't have a purpose that's deeper than just like, Ooh, you're going to jump and maybe see some boobs. Like it's always had that even at its like kind of earliest stages. Yeah. And it's something where like once the, once the witch came out, um, which uh, I forget the director's name, but he, he did the lighthouse now, which that film is awful. It's a great film technically, but it's, uh, I fell asleep um i'm probably not i'm like that's my number one most looking looked forward to movie this year because the witch is my favorite movie oh so sorry it's nothing like the witch (laughs) i don't care i also love robert pattinson no i do uh... too i love robert pattinson so much i was very like he's phenomenal in it willem dafoe is phenomenal in it they're just yeah sorry i didn't review the film for a reason i'm trying not to get hated on by all my critic friends because um, <laughs> i am like one of the only critics of fantastic fest who didn't like it um but like when you had the witch come out get out hereditary us and now midsummer you have like these mm. things that it follows you... too yeah it follows but like w- when you look at this they make people uncomfortable but in a different way and and i feel a little bit like it follows falls outside of that because it's more traditional than these um but like all of a sudden it's like like people like tweeting and posting they saved tour they brought it back to life and it's like no this has always been happening like for our site i actually wrote uh 10 movies that prove horror didn't need saving which are films that also came out in the same time period um so from 2016 to 20 i think i yeah 2016 to 2019 um and i just listed 10 films that like are freaking phenomenal but the problem with horror and i think what people forget is theater horror sucks most of the time yeah. but oh yeah because, like like it, it sucks so bad i love james wan i'm sorry but your films suck now a little bit um 
you have to they're, dig. They're fun, but they're not good. Yeah. Um, you have to dig as a horror fan. They don't promote movies. They don't, like, you have to, like, either get a Shutter subscription or just start looking around and get bored and put on a movie one day and you will probably find a gem. But because it's not, like, it's not hard drama, it's not historical period pieces most of the time, like, it is harder it to find be, them. It should be, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> And people just forget that they're there or they don't know that they're there. And so now you have everybody. And I think a lot of the times critics themselves, because a lot of critics won't even go and review the Shutter exclusives that are coming out or they won't go watch that small Midnighter. A lot of the times critics skip those unless you're like specifically working at a genre site. A lot of um, a lot of foreign horror has been really, really good in the past couple of decades, too. And a lot of people don't aren't aware of it because it's not easy to find necessarily. Or they're too lazy to read subtitles, depending on, you know. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that came up, like, in one of the articles was just the fact that, like, a lot of, like, what people conceive to be, like, prestige, like, quote unquote, like, prestige horror is, like, foreign horror. Um, And two, just, like, the fact there was another one that was talking about, like, it's weird that people think that um, watching horror movies in the theater is, like, the prime way to do it because there is kind of something to, like, the isolation of watching horror films um and so like it almost seems better to do it at home and like a lot of my favorite horror movies are yeah ones that i found on streaming like creep fucking rules and that's just like creep is great that That was on my top 10 list yeah and it's just like a random fucking netflix movie and like green room too um is a dope fucking horror movie and like not it's like just on streaming like it's not like it was ever out in theaters yeah um green room was one that i meant is that's the one with um patrick stewart in it right? anton yelchin yeah and yeah. anton yelchin yeah that one looks pretty cool yeah i think another another one is you kind of have to like follow studios that put out that's good yeah that's just movies. what i was about to say <laughs> like I like A24 and IFC Midnight. Those are the ones that consistently put out stuff that I think is cool and good. There's some others, but like Blumhouse every now and again actually knocks it out of the park. Didn't they yep. both get out and us? Uh, yeah. They also did Sweetheart, which is coming out on the 22nd, which is a creature feature that is way more than a creature feature. So good. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about us, too, because I feel like us is an interesting example in that, like, it's more blatant in its horror, like, references, I guess. And so I feel like it really only got the prestige label because, like, it was the follow-up to Get Out and also, like, Lupita Nyong'o and, like, Winston Duke are in it. Yeah, I think they only called it prestige because it was from Jordan Peele, that's it. Yeah. Like, had like, that movie come out from anybody else, they wouldn't have called it prestige. Yeah, because, like, cause, like and I mean, it's a beautifully shot film, but, like... Like, Get Out is, like, or not Get Out, sorry. Us is, like, a horror-ass horror movie. Yeah, and it's also, too, like, this is one of the hard things I have when talking about horror is I can watch a lot of horror that is an extreme horror movie, and some people might not see it. Uh, Like, The Lodge, uh, one of the ones I saw at Fantastic Fest, there's not a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. There's no supernatural qualities. It is just pure psychological horror with horror with two deaths that just freaking rip your guts out um i wanted to see that one i'm looking forward to that that is one of my favorite movies of the year it uh i still think about it it made my skin crawl like it got under my skin um and you don't need to have something that is super horror to not be considered something it's it's really hard like the, the conversation around horror 
I, I, I sometimes hate having because it, we go into these weird camps where like uh, kind of like and, and no offense to you but like like you just did this one is the most horror of, of, of the horrors it's like well no it's it's all horror yeah like they're to me at least as as a, as a fan and a critic like it is all horror there isn't something that is more horror it's just uh just subgenres like yeah. something... i end up using like the term horror adjacent a lot for something yeah. that's like strongly another genre but also has like heavy horror elements like oh, a mystery definitely. that's really really dark but yeah. i don't know like Creating, I feel like creating like a hierarchy of how horror something is is impossible because it's so sub- like horror and comedy are like the two most subjective types of movies. But I think it's kind of funny because you you see people who will call a movie not horror because it didn't scare them personally, but you'd never see someone go to see like some shit Andler, Adam Sandler movie and be like, oh well, this wasn't horror, be- or not co- horror, this wasn't comedy because I didn't think it was funny. Yeah. Like, it's clearly comedy. It just doesn't get you where, like, it doesn't get you where you can be got, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. And especially because, like, with us specifically, yeah, no, you, like, you're totally right that you can't really, like, it all depends. But, yeah, I guess with that movie, I just, like, see it as being different just because, like, it wears the influences from other, like, subgenres so heavily on its sleeve, um, which I think is intentional. Um, but yeah, that's a super good point too, that like, it is all horror and cause yeah, I feel like a lot of the time too, like the conversation around like Silence of the Lambs and that kind of stuff, it gets into like, oh, well it's a thriller or like whatever. And it's like, this is about a dude who eats people. Like, well, not even yeah. that. Make, make a movie about a dude that keeps somebody in a hole, in a hole to wear his skin without Anthony Hopkins and, uh, oh, why am I forgetting her name? Jodie Foster? Oh, Jodie Foster. So bad. Uh, sorry, horror people. Um, <laughs> make that without those two actors. That's a straight-ass horror movie. Yeah, I feel like a lot of why Silence of the Lambs seems to be kind of like a, a can-go-either-way sort of thing for a it lot of people. It has an Oscar. Is be- that, <laughs> and um, that's the least charitable explanation. The more charitable explanation is because it does have a lot of those strong like procedural drama elements. Mm-hmm. So some people, especially if it, they don't find it scary particularly, are going to key into the fact that it follows a crime thriller or procedural drama in terms of the actual, like, story beats. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot darker than a lot of those. So I think that's... I, another thing that makes horror kind of hard to talk about is it's not like a lot of other genres. Like, romance and mystery are defined by what plot beats they follow. They have certain things that you have to do plot-wise. Then sci-fi and fantasy, it's by it has to have the speculative element, whether it be like magic or uh, spaceships or something like that, that's recognizably unreal. But horror doesn't have any specific plot elements that it has to have. It doesn't have any specific setting or speculative elements that it has to have. It's so tonal. It's like comedy too is the same way. Like there's not a set format for that a comedy has to follow plot wise. There's not certain kinds of setting elements that a comedy has to have so it makes it kind of harder i think on top of that too it's like one of the things that makes horror what it is and something that is like i don't know that that taps into a fear that humans have is kind of like that fear of the unknown so a lot of times horror movies subvert what we necessarily think would happen or 
you know, mess with the kind of things that are expected. So it makes it to where it, it follows that sort of formula even less. Yeah. A comedy. And I love that you're bringing up both comedy and, and like comedy in, in the conversation as well, because comedy and horror um, are the two best tools, in my opinion, that we have for exploring the human condition, for exploring cultural, the cult- cultural conditions, uh, for exploring, um, real problems that's not saying that fantasy can't do it that's not saying that sci-fi can't do it they certainly can but horror and comedy work because they have to dance on this line of truth to elicit any sort of emotion from you horror wants to scare you and comedy wants you to to laugh it's it's emotive um yeah and in order to be emotive it has to tap into something so even the the crappy um, like slumber party massacre, it is still tapping into that that primal like fight or flight instance uh, instinct for you to get engrossed in the movie and to follow the slasher and to follow the people who are the unwitting victims. Like there is uh, and Guillermo del Toro is the the one of the best people at this, and you know, he also brings on fantasy. But when you build horror on the foundation of emotion you have much more impact because there is you can't rely on setting to sell. You have to rely on somebody buying into the character. Um, that is why Get Out was so unsettling for some people because they had never been in that position before. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of it like and I think sometimes where you get that where people will call it prestige horror versus regular schlocky whatever you want to call it is it is the characters and like the characters being more fully fleshed or more relatable and not just the you know the stock slasher characters the dumb teenagers who get killed because they do dumb teenager stuff yeah. and the funny thing is is we haven't actually had a pure slasher in a really long time yeah and that is still something that we like everybody defaults to like i do it yeah no it's it seems it's because i think because the 80s are just like so all-consuming and even like the the collective conscious and the 90s too and slashers were like the thing those decades i mean like there's tons of other stuff that was good too or like present but like your slashers are the ones that every freaking body knows even people who don't usually care for horror don't care about horror know freddy jason all of that kind of stuff I mean, and the other things, and this is kind of similar to video games, is one of the reasons people know those is because those are the things that parents fought against. Those are the things that lawmakers fought against because it was going to make kids violent and it was going to, like, we can't be exposing our children to these this gratuitous violence, to to all these things. But, um, and so I think that, like, that, it imprints itself on on the culture. Uh, and we can't really distance ourselves from it. And And when you look at, what gets put into theaters like what is the most accessible horror it are it, it's things that fall into a vein that is easily consumable um like the wanra um like the you know, the entire genre of film that james wan has essentially established mm-hmm. both in torture porn and in his conjuring series um those get replicated and put out because they're uh they're for sure wins accessible. for a theater yeah and so if they can go in and they can pack it then they'll you know they'll uh they'll green light it you get it and you just end up with the same thing over and over again the same way we did with slashers and now you're having more people take risks on horror more 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 companies and and honestly more theaters like draft house putting out 
uh, select uh, smaller screenings or um, uh, the straight to uh, the straight to streaming is also helping mm-hmm. horror a whole bunch, especially with platforms like Shutter that is bringing uh, movies mm-hmm. like Tigers Are Not Afraid to the U.S. that we you, would have never gotten otherwise. Yeah, you even get some interesting cases of like the VOD and then select theaters. Like Mandy yep. had that. Um, yep. Tigers had that, that as well. So it's a- that, yeah, I. I need to get Shutter again. I don't have it, but I had it for a bit, and I, I need to. So, question so because I just genuinely don't know: Is Shutter like doing a Netflix or Hulu? Does it have its own original programming? Yes. So Shutter yes. is AMC's uh, horror thriller uh, supernatural channel. They have an entire line of uh, audio drama podcasts, history podcasts. They have an entire. Uh, they do original and exclusive content in both uh, television series and movie form. Uh, for their exclusives, a lot of what they will do is they will hunt down and fund horror movies that will not get shown in the U.S. otherwise, like uh, The Night Shifter, The Wrath, Tigers Are Not Afraid, and they will back them and put them on the platform, which is one of the most beautiful things that they have done, especially for Latin American horror. Uh, horror. Mm-hmm. They, they're also really good at hunting down, like, older stuff that's not necessarily as well known and is kind of harder to find. Yeah. I know the reason I originally subscribed is um and I don't know I don't think that they still have it anymore is they had The Devils by Ken Russell mm-hmm. on there and I've been wanting to watch that movie forever. I read the book Devils of Ludan um and I had heard a lot about the movie but it's so so hard to find yep. because you know the Catholic Church was really not into it so there's a lot of backlash about it. Um, it whips it's awesome if you can find it watch it but uh yeah they have stuff like that they're really good at hunting down things that i mean maybe if you're you know like an older horror fan you might have had access to when it came out but someone you know someone in their 20s or early 30s might not have had yeah they they also have uh one of the cool things is if, if you're a horror noob don't feel intimidated by this because they actually uh, have curated collections. Uh, so like they have a horror 101. Well, they'll just pull together all of the iconic movies from their platform into that one thing. Uh, they also have Giallo. Uh, if you don't know, Giallo cinema is an Italian, uh, an Italian subgenre um, that is noted by its uh, kind of like dreamlike saints. Like the cell, in my opinion, is one of the closest American Giallo films. Um, uh, and and essentially what they do is it it's really easy for you to get into it because you can just go to a collection and you can start going you can start learning they even have uh mm-hmm. shutter recommends like uh like little five minute episodes where they have a curator sit down and bring you through like a super short history of what this type of what 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 this subgenre is and then they'll recommend you uh movies to go watch like it is probably like if you're a genre fan by nature. I would highly recommend Shutter. They even have like Yakuza movies and like uh Chan Wu Park's uh uh Vengeance trilogy. They have the entire thing on there. Like yeah. they're they're phenomenal. Um and all it takes is one day looking through their catalog and you will realize that horror has been alive and well for a very long time. Mm-hmm. They also have I really like they do um director. They had director mm-hmm. like curated lists basically so i know that um they had one that robert eggers had done with the the director of the witch and i watched a bunch of the movies on that 
And I felt really vindicated because if I remember correctly, Kill List was on that. And I had been saying for like months after The Witch came out, I'm like, this movie like is so much like Kill List and not in a bad way, in a great way, because Kill List is one of my other favorite horror movies. And I just felt really vindicated that it was on his list. Yeah. <laughs> That's another horror movie that is definitely like kind of prestige but never got that label. As far as I can tell. Yeah. Shudder is doing the Creepshow remake too, aren't they? Yep. And it's phenomenal. It's so good. And it's only like, four. it starts at four seventy five a month. Okay, that makes me feel better because I was like, man, I don't know if I can justify another It's a coffee. Service. It's a venti uh, pumpkin cold brew coffee. So there you go, Caitlin. Instead of uh, destroying your body... <laughs> Well, one of the yeah. cooler things, too, that they also have um, for different, uh, and, and it really depends. I actually talked to one of the PR uh, PR people for Shudder because I was really upset they didn't do uh, Latin American or Latino horror movies, uh, but they're really receptive. Uh, so I <laughs> I literally made a list and submitted it to them, and they're, it, they're putting it on their list for next year. But they have a queer horror section collection Ooh. as well as their horror noir section because one of the other cool things that uh, Shudder is doing is uh they're actually spending time um they did the horror horror noir history of uh black horror where they brought you through the entire history of uh, uh, uh literally that of black horror from uh ganja and hess to Candyman to children under the stairs like they covered it all and uh next year they are doing one on queer horror uh so like they're they're doing what they can to uplift voices in the fandom uh in the horror community because in all honesty and i think this is also one of the reasons to bring it back around to prestige horror i think one of the reasons why i hate the term prestige horror so much is uh i'm a gamer i'm a comic book reader i am a critic and the most accepting people i have ever been around are horror fans i have found um really kind of a similar thing too of all the and i don't really game so i don't have much experience with gamers other than through my other friends who do they're bad but they should go to like, prison <laughs> yeah they rise <laughs> up over the stupidest things yeah like i love uh, like i like fantasy but oh my god fantasy fans freaking suck half the time and i like so many other things and i'm like oh my god the fans are insufferable but horror fans kind of own like there's some bad apples but like by and large they rock yeah, and you know what? My my theory is that we have so many franchises that have been remade, sequeled, and all done by different directors. We don't care what is new or different anymore. We get new and different in like a uh, Hellraiser four. <laughs> like it, 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 in my opinion, at least, I feel like there's a uh, horror can is 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 so loose that it kind of helps with that but i also think it's because horror asks you to be so empathetic that i think a lot of the time like when you're going into a a horror horror space a lot of the time you're with other people who are feeling things that you are feeling in a different kind of way because it's i mean i love games i'm not saying games can't make you feel things like i've been a gamer my entire life but there's something about sitting in the theater next to people and experience something that emotional like I, uh, I had met a couple of other critics that I just kept seeing around the around the festival. Um, one guy actually gave me his interview time 
when he heard that I couldn't make mine and we swapped and he offered, um, which was super nice of him. Uh, and I saw him another time and we sat down for the lodge and we talked and super talkative in the beginning. And then after the lodge ended, we just stared at each other like, holy shit. And we didn't say anything, but like, I, I feel very connected to people when I watch horror with them or when I'm in a theater, when I'm talking with other critics and there's just something about the genre that I think just stems from that empathy that, that makes it better. And so for me, when, when you put labels like prestige or elevated, you're trying to bring in this hierarchy and this gatekeeping attitude, in all honesty, that really isn't all that present in the genre. Yeah. No, I think with horror, there's just... It's really... Like, yeah, some of it's good, some of it's not... A lot of the stuff that's not good is still at least fun. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is, like, the shared experience. Because, like, even if... I feel like this, even more than other genres, even if you're watching it on your laptop by yourself in the dark, there's still a connection, an emotional connection between you and, like, the director and the cast. because Mm -hmm. Or the writer. Because, like, they had to feel these things a lot in order to get the product out i don't want to say product but in order to get the film out to get it to where it needs to be yeah and like i think in a way because horror deals with things that are a lot of the times really difficult to just directly talk about you get to watch something that can become deeply therapeutic for you if it's like touching on issues that you yourself are frightened of or struggle with or whatever like watching the witch like for the first time was like and like m- multiple times for me particularly that movie it's my favorite but it was like not like jokingly saying this therapeutic but it was literally therapeutic for me like worth like a couple sessions of therapy in terms of like i felt like i understood myself better yeah. but i mean a lot of it is cuz it it did tap into like personal issues i have cuz i grew up with um like borderline fundamentalist extended relatives and it always been kind of thomason-esque i liked the darker side i liked the nice things in life and that was just not okay and so i watching that movie like i felt like i was like shit this character is basically me if i were in her situation i would do exactly the same things that she is doing and i don't think there's a lot of other types of movies that can get you that viscerally in another person's shoes and i think that's what makes horror have so much potential to make you feel less alienated and i just think it's weird because there's such a stereotype that horror fans are like major sociopaths or like you know you know future serial killers or whatever but i have never met a horror fan like that yeah, well, and I think something else is, like, really compelling about horror, too, is I feel like because it plays in, like, marginal spaces, it's really attractive to, like, marginalized folks a lot of the time. And, like, I feel like a lot of marginalized creators can, like, play in that space and have it be more accepting or at least, like, have more space. Because I know, like, going back to what Kate was saying about, like, Shudder having queer horror, like, a lot of my, like, real love of horror came from watching um on logo back when logo was still like a big thing like um mtv's like queer channel they used to have like once a week i think it was on saturdays i can't remember but they used to have like queer horror movies and like 
I ate that shit up. Like, May is... I haven't watched in a long time, so, like, maybe it's not as good as I remember. <laughs> but I love May. And, like, that was the first movie, especially that was the first horror movie, where I was like, oh, she's just, like, queer. And that's just, like, part of it. And it's not, like, a plot point. It's just a thing. Um, And I feel like horror has a lot of potential in that way that, like, a lot of genres kind of don't. Or, like, they're not as open about it, I guess. I think because horror has always been about kind of like pushing at the edges of what is currently socially acceptable. So it kind of ends up being sort of ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, you always do get stuff that's kind of like, oh, maybe this is questionable representation. But I think people are, you're more rewarded for taking risks in horror yeah. amongst people who are like big horror fans, not just people who like, go to see the next, you know, pop horror in the theaters, um, you know, to jump a couple times. Like, I would honestly say the Dreadit, the horror subreddit, is progressive as all hell. It's amazing. Like, it, I also think, too, like, when you think back at it, like, when we think of Final Girls, we look at uh, at Halloween as establish- establishing it with Jamie Lee Curtis, but Black Christmas happened before that. Black Christmas, that mm-hmm. Final Girl is trying to get an abortion. Like, it's progressive and she doesn't suffer for it like you i think you're absolutely i was actually kind of like shocked when i first saw that movie especially given you know how old it is yeah that it it wasn't really punitive about that and one of the cool things that's happening right now is we have a lot of these older exploitation genres like the rape revenge uh rape uh the rape revenge wars like i spit on your Mm -hmm. grave and those those subgenres, like instead of just dying out because oh this is an exploitation genre they were all directed by men this is like a little bit problematic there are female directors rising up to pull that subgenre back and make it their own uh i can't remember her name but uh there's a, a french director who just did revenge which is a rape revenge mm-hmm. horror film that is phenomenal and it reclaims that genre and you have that happen in so many spaces in in horror that it's another reason why I hate hearing prestige horror or elevated horror because uh, horror continually elevates itself. But at the same time, like the person who loves revenge, I would totally recommend I spit on your grave so you can see where it came from. So you go see the one from the 80s and then you come watch the new one and you see this this history within them. Um, Or even Irreversible, which that one's I would not recommend that to people because that one I would have to know what you like first because that one's rough. Yeah, Real I know. Rough. Um, <laughs> what shoot? It was Jennifer Kent who did the Babadook. Also has the Nightingale, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen um, that one yet, sadly. But really wanted to. But it also kind of has the rape revenge thing going with it, um, as yeah. well as because uh, it's about the like colonies in Tasmania and the eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. and how just like fuck awful the British were to everybody who wasn't British. Yeah. Um. All that is to say, horror has been playing with all the things already. It's just now in the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, going back to just, like, some other stuff that we've already touched on, but, like, I find... So I'm, like, I canonically have really bad taste in movies. Um, <laughs> if you've uh, seen my Twitter, it's largely me tweeting about B-movie, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone in my life. Um... But I like weird things. Like, I enjoy things that are, like, like the reason I'm obsessed with B-movie is because it's a fucking strange film. And, like, 
there's something really compelling to me about Oh, that. you mean like B movie like with the bumblebees, not like B movie like, like Jerry Seinfeld Jerry as Se- a bee yes. gets with a human. Yes. Yes. <sighs> oh. Yes. I am obs- I'm I'm sorry. I am obsessed with that movie. But it's because it's so fucking weird. And like horror has such a huge potential for that. Um, and so it's frustrating to me that conversation around prestige are elevated because it takes at, like if you only are talking about like an it follows or a get out or whatever, you're cutting out so many things that do such interesting, weird stuff. Um, like again, like going back to Bay for a second, like that movie is about a girl who fucking cuts people up to make a friend. Um, and it's so bizarre, but it has like really, really interesting shit in it. Also, Anna Ferris is just in it. Um it's i need to watch that movie again it's been a long time but like i just feel like it's so it's so shitty and sad because you lose out on conversations about like weird cool things that happen and it's kind of the same like with the video games comparison of like last year like it my one of my favorite games of the whole year was vampire which is not like a good game but it has like so many interesting weird ideas that like i hadn't seen like many games touch on before and so it's just really frustrating to have that kind of stuff cut out of the conversation because it's not like clean or like digestible enough yeah it's also one of those things that's really funny um one i'm looking at your notes but two thinking about these weird things a girl walks alone at night is fucking weird yeah it is it is so weird but you know what that it's the grounds for that film are an exploitation is is an exploitation cinema yeah. That film is a spaghetti western. And so when you have people call that prestige horror, I think is one of the best cases of being like, yo, you just really don't want to admit you like horror. That's what that's what's happening here. Because that movie is weird as all hell and it's it, its roots are strongly in the grindhouse. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, yeah, and it gets weird with all the splitting of hairs too, because like I had someone try to fight me in my DMs because I recently tweeted about Repo the Genetic Opera and someone messaged me about it and I was like, oh yeah, it's a great horror movie. And they were like, that's not a horror movie. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) you see a man's spine be ripped from his body. What do you mean it's not a horror movie? But yeah, I was like, I literally, I was like, I can't believe that someone is like, like trying to look me in the eye and be like, repo's not a horror movie and i was like it's at very least a body horror movie like if oh it very much is (laughs) yeah like i was like i was like it's a it's how how do you try to say it's not yeah no literally like like it's it's kind of a sci-fi dystopia too but like again like fucking sarah brightman punctures her own goddamn eyes out and paris hilton's face falls off like i don't know and both of them kick total ass in that movie. I love that movie. That movie made me really like Paris Hilton, and I was like, huh. Don't know how I feel about this, <laughs> yeah. but I fucking, I love that bitch just because of Repo. Yeah, I mean, like, I already loved Sarah Brightman, but, like, Paris Hilton being like, yeah, I'll play a dumb, vapid heiress, and I'll have my face fall off. I was like, fuck yeah, Paris Hilton. Good on you. It's incredible. It's an incredible film, and not enough people have seen it, IMO. Though I do have to say, some of the fans of that movie were really obnoxious when Repo Men with Jude Law came out, because they're like, it's a total ripoff. I saw both movies. Other than the idea of organ repossession, there is nothing in common. Also, Repo Man was a remake. Yeah. Of an existing movie that came out in the 80s. 
I actually did not know that. Yeah. Yep. I knew that because I was one of those annoying people until I Googled it and I was like, oh shit, I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> I was like, huh. It's just, just a Google away and you cannot be an ignorant bitch, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the funny things. Like, I've actually found out that people who will actual, actually be on horror are people who aren't actually in the genre most of the time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I'm really glad that we brought up earlier just kind of the the perceptions of, like, sexism kind of being something that's entrenched in horror and also um, a lack of empathy or, you know, like, oh, the people who, who like these types of movies are sociopaths or, uh, you know, serial, future serial killers, uh, stuff like that, because it's just not true. And I feel like that's such an outside looking in thing that's, yeah, it's just bullshit. Like, yeah. the people I know who... Um, like horror movies the most are honestly the most empathetic friends that I have. And like the whole like weird idea. And again, this is anecdotal, so it doesn't really count for all that much, but like the whole idea that like horror fans are sexist or horror, such a boys club. I'm like, I don't know. Like I never have talked to a man who was a horror fan who, like, treated me shitty for being female and daring to like horror. But I have definitely walked into comic stores and video game stores and, like, either been totally given the cold shoulder or been, like, patronizingly helped. You know, I've just not had that experience with horror fans that are dudes. I've never felt looked down upon for being female in their eyes. Oh, 100%. Like, I am a tiny brown woman. And in a lot of horror spaces, they're, like, giant biker men. And I'm never afraid. Because, like, we just love the genre. Which is something really weird, because I walk into a con and I I get a little bit worried sometimes. But, like, again, it's anecdotal, but, like, I think you're completely right. Like, I have people say, too, like, it, it is a fact. Like, one of the worst facts about horror is in, despite having the highest number of women represented in lead roles, horror has the lowest amount of women behind the camera. This was from 2018 per genre. So that sucks. Um, But a lot of the films that people point to to say are sexist, uh, their favorite one to point to is American Psycho. That was directed by a woman. And that's why that movie is so good. And she is, she's an icon. And then you have people like the Soska sisters who like, they, uh, I think they, what was this, like dead hooker in a trunk or something? Like, they're pure gore and body horror, and and it's one of those things, like, good horror, horror, good horror people, it's not about, a a lot of the time when there is sexism in the films, and this isn't all of the times, it's about somebody overcoming it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's one of the powers of horror, because horror is a genre where, like, I can walk in and I can watch somebody be beat to shit. And still get up, pick up that knife, and find their way out. Or mm-hmm. keep moving. And, uh, like, Tigers Are Not Afraid, kind of in the same way you said the witch touched you. Tigers Are Not Afraid, uh, it, it broke me a little inside, but rebuilt me at the same time. Because it is one of the most depressing endings in a, endings in a horror film. But but the, the last words are, uh, tigers aren't afraid, they don't forget. They they break and then they become the kings of fucked up kingdoms, and it it, it was one of those things where like listening to it and and watching it it, it made it 
it takes you on this this journey of rebuilding yourself when it's really well done. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it just makes. I mean, I'm not gonna say horror are the best people, but horror fans are the best people. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I think because you kind of we, we. I mean, and it's true in writing too. Women are underrepresented in horror fiction. Um, not to say that they're not writing stuff that's good, because there's a lot of women who write horror that just write absolute like smacking awesome stuff. I almost feel like the reason you see fewer horror directors and fewer horror writers that are female doesn't actually have to do with horror fans being a boys club. It deals with the outside societal perception and the pressures that you get from non-horror people to Mm -hmm. be, you know, a a nice woman with nice thoughts and write nice things or create nice things. It's not the horror fans who are trying to keep women out. It's the rest of society trying to keep women away from horror. I would completely agree. That kind of ties into, because I think originally, like when Caitlin kind of brought this idea for this episode to um, uppercut people, uh, she was kind of talking about how it bounced off of an episode that we did about like art or video games is art and like, like the Hideo Kojimas of the world and how men can kind of get away with doing whatever they want because it's immediately seen as art. <laughs> um, and, and they're allowed to be kind of messy and do things that uh, don't quite make sense and a lot of people wouldn't get away with. And um, it just, mm-hmm. I mean, that ties into just an overarching like theme in art for thousands and thousands of years where like men are seen as geniuses for breaking rules and for having messy disturbing thoughts whereas women are kind of seen as um i don't know outcasts well yeah yeah it's interesting because like part of what kicked off the discussion i feel like was the babadook which was directed by a woman Mm -hmm. a woman i think with women there's such a pressure to make people comfortable that men don't have. Yeah. So if you are making work in a genre that purposefully makes people uncomfortable, there's a lot of pushback to that against people who don't really understand it and who aren't really fans of it in the first place. So I really do think a lot of the reason you see women underrepresented as the like creative forces in horror fiction, whether it be film or or written, it's not the horror fans. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree there. And I do think too, like when we when we start looking about when you start looking at it and we look at when we look at what is considered horror, Lee of Jennifer Kent, um, Anna Lily Amanpour, who did uh Girl Walks Alone at Night. Girl mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, you know, obviously Jordan Peele, who's a black man. Like I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think that there is such a need to constrict what marginalized people do in the story that we make, in, in the stories that we make, that they have to be more than, than just this one thing. Um, instead of accepting that they can, and instead of accepting that we can express ourselves in a way that isn't pure drama, or isn't, isn't something that is uh, disconnected from the world, in a, in a, in a sense, in, in a, a genre sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's also, I feel like, that expectation whenever um, 
women or or people of color or any sort of marginalized group does anything that it has to strictly speak to that like what makes them marginalized um and like that's what people Mm -hmm. look for that's the message they try to take away from it um they don't let them tell other stories that they might want to tell and that are probably that are definitely impacted by their you know their lived experience but like oh yeah but like that's what people take away from it and i remember i think jordan peele even said something about us like a lot of people were like oh there wasn't really much of a racial message in this and he was like that in itself, you saying that, like, kind of, you know, is is a yeah. racial yeah. message to take away from yeah. this. Yeah, no, I was actually just gonna that. gonna mention that because I thought, like, I feel like a lot of people were confused by us because, I mean, having the characters all be black does kind of put in a little subtext there. But as far as the actual story goes, you could tell that with an all white family and all Asian family. Yeah, it was it was you a could story tell that with class. anyone. Yeah. Yeah, but there was immediately that expectation that that's yes. what had to be mm-hmm. there. That's what people were yep. looking for. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think a lot too about like some other movies, like again circling back to the witch because I think not only is it my favorite movie, it is one that's kind of relevant to this type of discussion. I do wonder sometimes what the reaction to the witch would have been if a woman had directed the exact same movie. Yeah. You know, it's, I've never thought about that, but that's actually a really good point. Yeah. And it's uh, one of the, so my favorite director pretty much of all time is is Guillermo del Toro. And uh, one of the things that people, uh, especially the Latinos, uh, Latinx people give him is that he doesn't, he doesn't only, he doesn't do stories about Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, Latinx, Central Americans. He, he, he sticks in this almost pure fantasy world retelling like, stories of Spaniards or, uh, you know, just not featuring Mexicans at the center um, or even Latinos at the center. Um, And while I get it and I understand it, uh, it frustrates me because that's, that wouldn't be what you would be telling a white director, but it is something that it's this burden of representation that happens Mm -hmm. that forces you to only tell one story um, from any community. Uh, which is why, for me, seeing him win big with Shape of Water was so big. Because as much as as much as the Shape of Water was a film about a woman fucking a fish man, it was also a film about immigration and identity and working your ways through that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people miss that because they just see fish man. Um, yeah, and they want to relegate him to to only saying specific stories. It's like, do I think Guillermo del Toro could not, uh, could not a movie about La Llorona out of the park? Yes, he could. But let him make his creature feature. Yeah, it would have been better than mm-hmm. the fucking La Llorona movie that came out this year. Did that come out Yeah, this year? I saw that at the world premiere oh. uh, at South By. I actually interviewed the casting crew, and my question for all of them is, uh, was about authenticity. Oh, uh, I thought I it was going to be why. <laughs> yeah, yeah well i had i wanted to get invited back uh but no i asked uh like the people next to me were like what's your favorite pizza and i was like hey how did you get this authentic were you worried that there were no latinos on your writing on your writing staff um i asked that to the writers which was fun um, i bet they were sweating i was trying to bit. explain to my uh my aunts why that movie uh was bad and i was like it's uh it's white it's just super white and they were like wait what do you mean like it could still be good with white people and i was like it's la llorona no it can't shut up 
Like, that's yeah. not how movie. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this. The only works. good thing about it was a curandero, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did not see that one no. because it. <laughs> yeah, from the trailer, it had a whiff of this is not going to be good. And then once the reviews came out, I'm like, okay, cool. I can miss that. If I'm, like, sick at home and really bored and it's on Netflix, maybe. No, but like, not even that. <laughs> maybe not that bad. It's it's the worst thing I've seen this if year. If you're sick at home, I'd, I would watch it. It, it, it's, it's a, it is the most standard of James Wanra films, pretty much. So... I, I gave it a three. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Three out of I think 10. It, I think it's. So. I don't watch a ton of movies. I think it's the worst movie I've seen this year. Um, I saw Miss Bala, so no. That's fair. I haven't seen that, so <laughs> it still takes the cake for me personally. But um, I watch like four movies a year, and they're usually just like whatever horror comes out. <laughs> yeah. Or like whatever dog movie my mom makes me go see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the worst movie I saw this year was actually a movie that I was fully prepared to love. Um, Oof, that's the worst. What was it? It's a really bad feeling. Um, Hagazusa, I think is how it's pronounced. It's a German movie set in like the 1500s or something. And it's a witch movie. So I'm like, fuck yeah, it's a period piece. It's artsy. You know, it's trippy. It's about witches. I'm going to fucking love this. But I watched it and it's like, at least 20 minutes too long probably more than that and like there's really like lengthy establishing shots of the bavarian forest which are beautiful but also like do nothing um the soundtrack is like two droning notes over and over and over (laughs) and the acting is good but there's like 12 lines of dialogue (laughs) they gotta leave room for the the droning notes yeah, the uh the most satisfying yeah, the most satisfying part in the entire movie. So like this this woman is an outcast because the people believe that she's a witch and like this other village woman is like kind of making friends with her, then like leads her off and her friend who's like some farm guy rapes the the witch. Jesus. And then like yeah, and then in revenge she shits in their water source and like her shitting in the source of water is the best part of the whole movie. There's literal baby eating in this movie, and it's boring. <laughs> Damn. What a film. <laughs> Honestly, Rip, if you can't make baby eating interesting, like, what are you even doing? Yeah. And, like, I'm not the type of person who doesn't have an attention span. I love slow burn horror. I, like, half of my favorite horror movies are, like, really, really slow until the last 15 minutes when things go ape shit. Um, my freaking degree is in british literature i'm used to reading victorian novels that are just ponderous as all get out that kind of stuff doesn't bother me if i am bored by your movie it is probably because it's actually really boring (laughs) uh i will say too like one of the most disturbing horror films i've seen uh two actually when i think about the films that stuck with me the lodge is directed by a woman uh, co-directed by a woman uh and then raw uh, which is directed by Julia, uh, Julia Ducournau. Uh, I heard is... good things about Raw. I have Ooh. too. I kept, I keep it's wanting good. to watch it, but my time at home, like I like to watch movies with my husband, and our time at home, um, especially during the weekdays, is usually either we are about to eat, in the process of eating, 
or have just eaten, and none of those <laughs> seem like the best time to watch Raw. Yeah. Nope. Not at all. But it's, it's also why I have still yet to watch the last episode of the first season of The Terror, because it's already kind of getting into cannibalism, <laughs> and it's going to go more into it in the last episode, and I'm just like, hmm. Damn, The Terror I have a strong stomach. I gotta watch that shit. First season. Um, it's not really about, it's about the Franklin Expedition in the 1840s to find the Northwest Passage, and like I said, I fucking love historical horror, so this was all up my alley. Um, and it's based on actual stuff, and then they throw in some supernatural elements, which honestly kind of didn't need to be there, but, like, the production is great, the acting's phenomenal, the score is good, the costuming is to die for, it's great. I recommend it very highly. I gotta add that to my list. It's like 10 episodes, and it's the whole story. It's based on a book by Dan Simmons, who's apparently kind of a chud, but whatever, the show is good. It's also on Hulu, so. Oh. Yeah. We do have Hulu, so. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, what is, okay, so we're planning on watching a horror movie in our uh, community Discord at some point. Um, so before I let y'all go, what is a, what is a movie that's available on streaming services that you think would be fun to watch in a group? Uh, so we just did, uh, so we do Spooky Sundays, uh, every Sunday. Uh, we just did, uh, Scream and Train to Busan. Scream, I would highly recommend. You know, what's funny is I've never seen Scream. It's like such a classic and I've never do seen it. it. So maybe we Scream should fix is that. One of oh, my, yeah. Yeah, Scream is one of my favorite horror movies ever. It's it's really fun. So good. Okay. It's it's particularly notable to me and being a movie that is successful both as being a horror movie and as being a parody of horror mm-hmm. movies. Uh and it is on Netflix. And and Maddie, what would be your recommendation for us? Oh shit. I haven't like watched a whole lot streaming lately. Um if you're in for a foreign movie and it's still on streaming somewhere, Dead Snow fucking whips. But I'm not sure if it's still on. I'm not sure if it's still on streaming anywhere. It was on Netflix for a long time. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, that's where I first watched it. But uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Somehow it only has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that's really proof that uh, critics don't know what they're talking about because this movie is art. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna take these suggestions and I'm gonna What's really great about it, in my opinion, and why I think that it is so worth watching, is because it has a blatantly dumb premise. It's Nazi zombies. It's stupid. The premise is really dumb, but like the cinematography is really good, the acting's really good, the uh effects are really good, the makeup and soundtrack is it's all really good. It just has a really fucking stupid premise. I love things with stupid premises if the B-movie love was not an indicator. Um, so <laughs> I will say this. Uh, if if you all get Shudder, uh, watch Rare Exports. Rare. It's a Christmas horror movie. They are, I think it's like, it's some sort of Scandinavian language, but they're up there in the ice and the snow, and uh, they essentially find a Santa factory. <laughs> oh that sounds God. amazing. <laughs> it's so good. That sounds like it could become a new holiday tradition for me because I'm always finding ways to do stuff for Christmas that's not, you know, actual Christmas. Watch Krampus. Krampus is the best Christmas movie 
Full stop. Absolutely. 100% agree. The little gingerbread men I need are to watch fucking that. incredible. <laughs> Truly the best time I've ever had in a movie theater was watching Krampus for the first time, because I saw it like three times in theaters, and just the little like nice. fucked up horror gingerbread men. Incredible. <laughs> like Shrek on steroids. <laughs> it was truly beautiful. Um, all right. I think, I think that might be a show. Um, do y'all have any they seem closing? pretty showy. God damn it. Um, do y'all have any like closing uh, prestige horror thoughts before I wrap us up? It's not a thing unless you're a really, really old critic who hates horror. Boom. Basically, yeah. Fucking mic drop. <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to do it for us this time. Uh, Jess, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at my home, which is Twitter, at Jessicogs, and that's J-E-S-S-A-C-O-G-S. I post everything I do there and too much about my life. What is Twitter if not for oversharing? Um, and uh, Maddie, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at uh, Gremlin Maddie, and I believe there's an underscore in there. Yes, there is. <laughs> Gremlin underscore Maddie on Twitter. Um, and I have a short story, a fairy tale published in the, um, April 2019 of Enchanted Conversation magazine. It's called Wolfskin. If you want to read a very Brothers Grimm fairy tale, that's, that's a thing you could do. Hell yeah. And Kate, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at OhMyMythRandier. Uh, it's a reference to Lord of the Rings. Figure it out. You get a gold star. Um, and yeah, I pretty much do everything there since it's, it's, it's my time to thrive since it's October. I've been posting a lot of lists, so I'll have a whole bunch more lists of like Halloween horror, horror anthologies, horror TV shows to watch. Uh, if you're, if you're into that stuff, I kind of just share really fucked up gifts and give you my yelly thoughts on things. So. Dope. And do you want to plug, but why though too, real quick and pitch, pitch folks on it? Yeah, uh, so if you want to read my writing, uh, head on over to butwhythopodcast.com. I'm also on a podcast, I should probably say that, called uh, But Why Though, and we're having a spooky month. We just did uh, Adam's Family, and we are recording a Hellraiser episode next, so. Yeah, But Why Though is dope. If y'all are, I mean, I I don't know why I'm saying if y'all are fans of us, if you're listening to episode 18 of this, I assume you're fans of us for some reason. (laughs) Um. Y'all should check out Bite Way, though, because they are very dope and have similar goals. So, Oh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, yeah, so I think that's, yeah, that's it. We did the, oh, me. Um, Wow. <laughs> Caffeine. <laughs> um, you can find me, the person, uh, on Twitter.com, at CG and 8Rs. Um, you shouldn't, but if you want to, I'm not going to tell you, tell you no. Uh, Palin Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at Uppercut Crit and UppercutCrit.com. Uh, if you want to hang out with us and our various friends, you can join our Discord server. Like I said, we're going to be watching a movie soon, so that'll be fun. Um, I'll make sure that we watch the movie after this episode posts. Um, and yeah, the link for our Discord server is in the episode description. And if you like the show, please be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever else you listen to iTunes. But please, please, please make it iTunes because it helps a lot. 
Um, and yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, have a fun spooky month, y'all. Hello, you beautiful blood-sucking babes. I'm Sahana. And I'm Kat. And we're the hosts of Summer Twilight Book Club, a podcast where two dumb bitches with social work degrees reread the four horniest books of their teenage years. If you're at all curious about any of the following, this is the podcast for you. Does Bella Swan have a car crash fetish? Yes. I am telling you right now the answer is yes. Does Stephanie Meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries? Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer owe Sahana and all other brown people reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegirls.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out.